Welcome to this Mount Pleasant Baptist Church podcast recorded at our Burgoon campus. We're glad you've joined us and we pray that the Lord will speak to you and encourage you through this message. Good morning. Let me add uh, my welcome. Great to have you here with us this morning. And uh, just some great news to share with you, and that is that on just Friday afternoon, we received official approval from the the ACNC, which is the Australian Charities and Not-for-Profits Commission, that uh, our uh, Mercy Reach Foundation has had that final stamp of approval, which is just wonderful news. Really great news. We uh, we launched in faith. We knew it would come, but uh, it's kind of a relief, you know, to have that, that kind of final stamp. It's a wonderful thing. And uh, wonderful to have baptisms this morning, which uh, in our first service will come after the message. And uh, so taking that into consideration, my, uh, my introductory message will be mercifully brief uh, to launch our new series, Who is Jesus?, which, is, uh, which Michael mentioned for us. But um, as we open, let me just commend this book to you, uh, Seeing and Savouring Jesus Christ by John Piper. It's our book of the month. It's a fairly easy read and uh, has short chapters with a prayer at the end of each chapter and a nice little Christmas present. So uh, you can pick up your copy at Seeds. Then I'd suggest you read it yourself and then wrap it up and give it to someone else for Christmas. (laughs) I wouldn't do that, of course, but uh, some of you would do it. But it's a book that asks the very question posed by our new series, who is Jesus? Arguably the most important question you'll ever ask or answer in your life. Who is Jesus? Eternity hangs on this question for us all. According to Acts chapter 4 verse 12, there is no other name, we just sung it, but there's no other name under heaven by which we can be saved, the name of Jesus. It's the most important name you'll ever know or speak or hear. The name of Jesus, the one who is the way and the truth and the life, the way to the Father, the truth about the Father, the life of the Father. The name of Jesus, Jesus is your pathway to salvation. There's no other way, according to the Scriptures. Your pathway to eternal life. And uh, you'll hear the name of Jesus proclaimed in worship here in this church every, every single week, without exception, in churches across the city of Melville, churches across the world, you'll hear the name of Jesus proclaimed. Interestingly, you'll also hear the name of Jesus used in nearly every schoolyard and university and workplace right across our country, used not in worship, but as an expression of anger or frustration. Used, we might say, in ignorance. Jesus Christ, the name above all names, used in a way that we would find offensive. And blasphemy is not a word that we hear used very often anymore, is it? And yet uh, the third of the Ten Commandments is, you shall not misuse the name of Jesus. It's a beautiful name. It's a, a wonderful name. It's a powerful name. There's power, actually. In the name of Jesus. So it fascinates me that this is the name that people choose to use. You know, of all the names 
of all the people of history. No one bangs their thumb with a hammer and says, Charles Darwin, that hurt. (laughs) William Shakespeare, I've stubbed my toe. I mean, try it sometime, you get some funny looks. (laughs) But Jesus, Jesus, that hurt. Uh, universally recognised and commonly used or or misused. There's a whole generation coming through our Australian society who have no idea who Jesus is or what he's done uh, or what he continues to do today. And so for so many uh, who've grown up actually without any kind of Sunday school, like, you know, when I grew up, a lot of people went to Sunday school these days so many don't and there's the whole generation actually that hasn't and so therefore for so many Jesus Christ is merely uh, an expression no longer even considered offensive um, I remember Graham telling the story some, some time ago of uh, a guy purchasing a cross you remember that story purchasing a cross in a jewelry store and uh, the young female attendant asking him do you want the plain one or the one with the little man on it I mean Really? No idea. No idea. They've got no idea. Ignorance. Who is Jesus? Well, on the surface, he's a bit of a nobody. If you look at the evidence, he never wrote a book. He never owned real estate. He never ran a business. He never accumulated any wealth of any significance. He was born in poverty and obscurity, baby in a manger, a son of a carpenter. Uh, He was a teacher, he was a good man. He reportedly uh, helped people and again allegedly performed all sorts of miracles that people recorded. He created a stir with the establishment, particularly with religious authorities, interestingly enough, but certainly also with government authorities, there was a stir. And then at the age of 33, think about that. For many of us, 33 is a distant memory (laughs) it's young isn't it it's like it's a young age 33 at the age of 33 he was accused of blasphemy and uh, sentenced to death by crucifixion on a cross the original little man on the cross 33 short years of life mainly lived in the obscure backwaters of small Israeli towns a life that in so many ways was obscure and insignificant and forgettable. You'd think it was a forgettable life. And yet, according to Time magazine's list of the 100 most significant figures in history, who ranks number one? Jesus. Number one. The most significant figure in history in a secular publication. It's fascinating. So this morning we'll take a quick look at the phrase, Jesus is Lord, which I'd suggest is the, the key, this is why we're starting with this phrase, it's the key defining creedal declaration, not only of the New Testament church, but of our church and of churches down through the ages who together have proclaimed that Jesus is Lord. And as we'll see this morning, it's not only a powerful collective declaration of the church, but also a deeply personal and individual uh, response of faith. A personal declaration, Jesus 
is Lord. And so you can declare with the masses here this morning that Jesus is Lord, but what I'd invite you to consider carefully this morning is the question of whether or not, whether or not Jesus is Lord over your life. Is he Lord in your life? Is he Lord for you? And as I said, I'll be brief this morning, but I, I'd like to make uh, just three observations about this statement, Jesus is Lord, and uh, perhaps unusually, it's unorthodox, I know, but what I'm going to do this morning is work my way backwards through the text, beginning very broadly, and then tapering into a very personalised application from our reading this morning. So Philippians 2, 5 to 11, a well-known reading. I'll, I'll read it forwards, don't worry, I'm not going to read it backwards. <laughs> we'll read it forwards, but then we'll work our way backwards. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. Amen. If there's ever a scripture that we should all, like Patricia, say aloud amen to, it's that. So let me just read that last bit again. <laughs> that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen? amen. Good. Glad you feel that way. My first observation about this statement, Jesus is Lord, is that it is a factual statement. So Paul's declaration at the end of this reading is that God has raised Jesus up from death to the highest possible place and given him the name that is above every other name. And Paul's declaration that Jesus is Lord is in the context that the day will come when regardless of people's personal choices or personal views or personal belief systems or personal opinions, the day will come when every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus is Lord, the glory of God the Father. In other words, Paul was not sharing his opinion. He wasn't saying, oh, well, you know, in my view, in my view, Jesus is Lord. You might have other views and that's fine. He wasn't saying that. He was saying this is the way it is. This is objectively a factual statement. Now obviously not everyone recognises that fact, that truth now. But what Paul's saying is the day will come when everyone will recognise that. And everyone will acknowledge it. They'll have no choice. Uh, you know, this morning we could have a discussion around who's the best player in the, AF, in the AFL or what's the best song ever written? And some of you might think, well, I don't actually even care about those things. I don't have an opinion. I don't follow football. I don't listen to music or whatever. 
uh, there'd be numerous opinions expressed around the room about, about those things and our answers, there'd be marked differences of opinion. And in the end, uh, about those kinds of things, we might end up saying, well, you, you have your opinion, I have my opinion, that's fine, we've just got different opinions. We could have another discussion about who is currently Queen of the United Kingdom and the Commonwealth. The answer is Elizabeth II. She is the Queen. It's just the fact of the matter. And you might have your views about whether that's a good thing or not, or you might feel strongly that Australia should actually be a republic. Uh, lots of people do think that. Some of you might even dig your heels in and say, well, she might be the Queen, but she's not my Queen. <laughs> Well, I've got news for you. Uh, if you're an Australian citizen, then you're currently living in a constitutional monarchy. And what that means is that whether you like it or not, she is actually your queen. She's the queen. It's a factual statement. In the same way, when Paul says that Jesus is Lord, he's not just giving us his opinion or expressing his personal view. He's saying, in the broadest possible sense, ultimately, this is a statement of fact. Having defeated death once and for all, which no one else has ever done, Jesus makes this remarkable statement, having come down from the cross, he makes this remarkable statement about himself. He says to his disciples, all authority in heaven and on earth has been now given to me. Wow. I mean, all authority, a statement, by the way, that the queen would agree with. All authority, says Jesus, in heaven and on earth, universally, all authority has been now given to me. There is no higher authority. There is no greater name. Jesus is Lord, Lord of all the earth, Lord of the universe, Lord of all things. It's a factual statement. You may choose not to believe that, not to acknowledge that. But if Paul is right, if Paul is right, then the day will come when you will have no choice, no option but to believe because you will meet one day Jesus face to face and you will see him for who he really is and in an involuntary, involuntary way, you will just say, Lord. In an involuntary way, your knee will bow. Lord. You'll see things as they really are and you'll discover the truth. It's a factual statement, Jesus is Lord. Secondly, my second observation about this statement is that it's a faith statement. Now I began my life in March 1967. I'll do the maths for you, 54. Some of you think, oh, that's 54, gee, you look 60. How did that happen? March 1967. I was born in Adelaide. Let me assure you, uh, I didn't exist before that. <laughs> Jesus, on the other hand, didn't begin his existence when he was born in Bethlehem. He existed in another form before he was born. The Word of God, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And so the teaching of Scripture, we understand, is that in his pre-existent state, Christ was associated actually with the work of creation. By him were all things created, visible and invisible. All things were created by him and for him. Remarkable statement. 
staggering assertion to make about someone who physically walked around and ate and drank and slept and laughed with people and wept actually as well. Paul doesn't leave it there. He tells us that Jesus Christ sustains, present tense, sustains this whole universe we now live in for by him all things hold together, he says, Colossians 1.17. And you might hear that and think, well, wow, that's, that's hard to believe. Doesn't seem very scientific. And so, yes, now we taper down from that broad objective statement of fact that Jesus is Lord to a more personalised statement of faith. Do I really believe that for myself? Do I believe that? Hmm. All things hold together currently by this man, Jesus. Do I believe that? See, your eternal salvation is not determined by your future final acknowledgement at the end of time of the fact of Jesus' lordship. It's not determined by that. Your eternal salvation is determined by your present statement of your personal faith that Jesus is Lord. Romans 10.9, if, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from death, what well, you'll be saved. This is your pathway to salvation. The confession is outward, the belief is inward, the salvation is eternal. It's what we celebrate in the baptisms that we'll encounter in a short time. But have a look at this next verse, which tells us that it's only by the power of the Holy Spirit that a person can make that heartfelt confession that Jesus is Lord. If we can go on to the next one, thanks. 1 Corinthians 12, 3. It's only by the Spirit that you can cry out, Jesus is Lord. In other words, this is not something you'll uh, figure out by, by yourself, purely by your own you know, research and ingenuity. Oh, actually, I've figured it out. Jesus is Lord. No, it's revealed. This is something that's revealed by the Holy Spirit in the first place, and then it's for you to respond. There's a revelation that in your heart you begin to say, wow, I th actually I think this is, this is truth. It's like a light being switched on in the darkness of your mind. I think this is true. And then there's a response of faith, childlike faith, that says, it doesn't seem very scientific that the whole of the universe is held together somehow by this person, Jesus, but I believe it. I believe it. I believe that Jesus is Lord. It's my personal declaration of faith. And so this is a faith statement. It's a factual statement. It's a faith statement. My third observation about this statement is that it's a formative statement. And here I'm going to end with where the reading begins in verse 5, which says, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Jesus Christ. In your relationships with one another, not only should you imitate Jesus, but you should also have an active awareness, a consciousness of the lordship of Jesus in your relationships. Is Jesus Lord of all of your relationships? Well, so much of life's about relationships, isn't it? Most of us um, compartmentalise the relationships, our relationships as we find ourselves 
in different contexts. And so we have perhaps work relationships and we have family relationships. And then we have social relationships which themselves are often then further compartmentalised. So maybe you have church friends and you're also part of a gym or you go to a tennis club or you're part of a cycling group or perhaps you mix with a group of old church, old uh, school friends from many years ago. And uh, for many of us, we've got these compartments, but the compartments never intersect. And so those relationships stay in their separate designated compartments and the people don't even know each other. So maybe you work with people that don't even know that you would be going to church on a Sunday morning. You're in a cycling group. Those people don't know the people who are at the gym with you. There's no kind of crossover. And here's the question. Are you the same person? <laughs> I think this is a really interesting question. <laughs> are you the same person in each of those contexts? Or do you adjust according to your relational environment and become like the people that you're mixing with? Is your character consistent across those different relationships or do you blend in with the group you're in at the time? Is there language you use at work or at school that you'd never use at home or at church? Are there activities in which you participate? Is there behaviour or conversation you engage in with one social group that, boy, you'd be horrified if another group discovered what you were doing? And then there's a final compartment, which is your relationship with yourself. Well, you might ask the question, who are you when no one else is looking? What do you do when you're on your own? What do you watch? What do you get up to? What do you search for online when you're just on your own? Who are you really? And what masks do you put on even as you come to church this morning to protect yourself and to hide from others what's really going on in your life? So many questions. <laughs> but you know, they all lead to one key question. This is really where the rubber hits the road because in declaring that Jesus is Lord, you can give mental assent to a, a factual statement that probably in your mind is objectively true in some universal distant sense. Or you can declare Jesus as Lord as a, as a faith statement. You read Romans 10, 9, you think, oh, well, I'll do that. I'll confess with my mouth. I actually do believe in my heart that Jesus is Lord. But here's the key question. Is Jesus truly your Lord? Is he your Lord? Is he Lord of all of your relationships in a formative way, in a way that forms and forges your character in such a way that in all your relationships you nurture the mindset of Jesus? Jesus had no compartments. See, that mindset of Jesus, let me describe it to you. It relentlessly walks the path of humility and of unselfish concern for others. And God 
became flesh and dwelt among us, he emptied himself. Not of his divinity. He was in the form of God. He remained God. He was in very nature God, that scripture tells us. He remained God in flesh, but he emptied himself of of what exactly? Well, that's an important question. He emptied himself certainly of his rights, of his glory, of any sense of entitlement. Don't forget he was entitled to everything. He emptied himself of his sense of entitlement. He emptied himself of any sense of grasping after power, grasping after influence, grasping after ambition. The King James says he made himself of no reputation. The one through whom all things were made, the one in whom all things hold together, made himself nothing, taking on the very nature of a slave, a servant, a nobody. Jesus is Lord and if he is your Lord, then in your relationships with one another, at home, at work, at play, at church, pursue the mindset of Jesus. Imitate him, give him that place of lordship and allow him to change your heart and transform your life and your relationships. I'm going to ask Lucy to come and just play for us. And she would play a song that most of you will know, uh, unless you're kind of brand new to the church. Don't feel left out by that. Um, But this is an old song that certainly I grew up with. And the words are, He is Lord. He is Lord. He's risen from the dead. He is Lord. Every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. I want to invite you just to close your eyes. I'm not going to ask you to do anything outwardly, but let's just bow in prayer. Just as you listen to this tune, I want to just imagine the words in your mind. He is Lord. He is Lord. He's risen from the dead. He is Lord. I just want to encourage you in in a quiet moment just to consider those various compartments of relationships. Picture in your mind your workplace. Picture your home. Picture the people that you live with, the people you work with. Picture the people you socialise with. Maybe you're going to have a drink in the pub with a few mates. Nothing wrong with that. Picture your private world. And simply invite Jesus to reign as Lord in all of those different spaces of your life that you might declare not only as a factual statement, not only as a declaration of faith, but actually, Jesus, you are my Lord. Thank you for joining us. We would love to hear from you. If you would like prayer, please submit a prayer request at mounties.org.au forward slash prayer or send an email to communications at mounties.org.au and one of our team will be in contact. Have a great week.